0: and Anian kept my thoughts in my head. Frankly, there was nobody else in the car to talk to. If I started talking to myself, they probably would have locked me up, and I'd be in a straitjacket right now. Even though some of you may enjoy that, the guys on the other side of the glass laughed gleefully. Let's go, Car doctor. Diesel oil gets dirty so fast, you can't tell. If it's been changed or not by looking at it, you put 10, 15 miles on a diesel vehicle. That oil's black as coal usually in that length of time. And welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open, but I am here to take your calls. At 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, welcome. Come on in. Sit down. Ronnie Nanny and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. Again, that phone number, 855-560-9900. Here to take your calls and answer your questions, whatever they might be. Keep in mind that is the Car Doctor's 24-7 phone number. That number has a messaging service attached to it, and if you call during non-show hours, we're normally Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. If you call 855-560-9900 during non-show hours, you can leave a message, and Fast Harry, our executive producer, will call you back and put you in the lineup for the following week, and we can talk to you up here on air. And we like to do that. I, I, I see some of your emails, and you're hesitant, you're scared, you're, oh, it's radio. It's not a big deal, trust me. We'll, we'll, we'll go easy, and... Uh, Um, we'll just make it roll right along for you and you won't even know you're here and we'll just uh, have a gentle conversation and talk about your car problem and um, let you connect to it and understand it at a a better level so that um, you have a better experience with it. And that's what this radio show is all about. I'm glad to be back here in studio. It was fun getting out last week over at the uh, AASP trade show down there in the Meadowlands. It was nice to see everybody that came out. Um, The crowd was huge. I was was pleasantly surprised to see such a huge turnout and uh, see the fans and you know, that's really what makes this radio show all about. It's it's a different experience being out in front of the crowd behind the microphone. And um, I was glad to see each and every one of you that made it out there. I thank you. And, um, you know, we look forward to next year and uh, seeing you then and maybe some new faces as well. I was going to start this hour talking a little bit about motor oil. I've got some comments to make about it. I read a recent article in AAA. But I want to talk, you know, as the turn of the events happen, um, I want to tell you a little bit about what I've been going through today, this Saturday. Uh, it's, 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 it's sort of automotive related because it's about technology. And I think you have to really address technology and, you know, really embrace it. Let me go back to the middle of the week, middle of the week found Harry and I fast. Harry and I went off on a little bit of a road trip on our own. We went down to a local trade show put on by the folks for buy wise auto parts here in New Jersey, big parts warehouse, uh, here in this part of the country. And, they were doing a a, a statewide, I guess would be the best example, trade show. And we got to sit and meet and talk to different vendors from different places. Uh, Denso was there uh, among them, and um, I'm going to tell you about that in a quick second. But it was interesting to see the technology and what's coming down the pike. It also made me feel a little bit better that some of the decisions I've made in the past two years to – Alter the shop's direction and instead of going more towards nuts and bolts, which is clearly not the future. And I'm trying to get a leap on the competition and just run towards technology. And it was encouraging to see that, yeah, embracing technology is clearly the way to go. The Denso story, before I forget, um, it's amazing what the power of connection can do when you're working with a good parts house and, and a good parts supplier and a good company. So we're at the trade show, and Henry's Taurus, and I'll call him by his first name because Henry listens to this show all the time, and he's been a regular customer forever and ever and ever, and Henry will know exactly who I'm talking about. Henry drives among one of four cars, Henry's always driving a bunch of different cars, a 94 SHO Taurus. Now, if you know anything about SHO Tauruses, you you know that they're they're getting rarer by the day. The the SHO Taurus was the Ford performance version of a Ford Taurus. Uh, you know they made it into a little bit of a, a a performance vehicle, put a Yamaha engine in it or a Yamaha top end, and um, you know they really hauled. They were they were really quick little cars. Well, not little, but they were quick cars in their time. Henry's car needs a starter. Now you would think this is a pretty easy task. How hard could it be? Well, the problem is. That it's a little specific, being that it's a Taurus, and no one, including Ford, makes it anymore. It's obsolete. I just happened to bump into the Denso guy, and I forget his name at the moment. I'll look it up later if it's that important. But as I was standing there talking to him, the Northeast regional sales rep, and um, it, we were having the conversation, you know, I started explaining it to him, and you know, he knew who I was, and 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 I'm, I'm, I apologize for not having his name at the tip of my tongue but we were having a conversation about different things and and, and how Denso is growing and what they're becoming as a company and their efforts to, you know, reach across and bring more product in. And, and, you know, I told them, I said, listen, Denso just does everything right, it seems. They make great product. It works. It does what it's supposed to do. I said, what are the odds that you can get or find a starter for a 94 Shogun Taurus, which nobody, including Ford, has been able to do. He said, let me go into the computer. He goes into the computer, and uh, lo and behold, technology delivers and saves the day because he's able to find a Denso starter for a 94 SHO, a 23-year-old car, and it's being shipped to the shop. We'll have it on Monday, and it'll solve Henry's problem of having to put a starter in it because the old one, when you turn the key, the smoke gets out, and that's probably a bad thing. So we decided, yeah, we'll start with a starter. And I told you that story about technology to tell you this one, and, and thanks to the folks at Denso and uh, all that they do because I appreciate it. So I told you that story to tell you this one. You have to embrace technology. I woke up this morning, and as you know, the, the, the Saturday morning ritual for me is you know the chiropractor breakfast radio show. It's It's the Saturday routine. And it's supposed to be a calm day and a day of, um, you know, when you're just trying to get into the groove because you've got to go and do this thing we call the show around two o'clock. The littlest Ananian is home. She's Easter week home this week. And I knew I was in trouble when she came up holding her cell phone in her hand. And I went, everything all right? Kind of hoping. Well, no, my cell phone's stuck in a boot loop. What's a boot loop? Well... After some research online, she found out that the this particular G4 cell phone has a problem where at random, it'll go into a boot sequence and it won't come out of it. So the phone just stays at the home screen and won't fix itself. Got on the phone with Verizon Wireless. Now I've got to say, they were they were pretty helpful. We appreciated their efforts. It was, we tried everything. We did a hard factory reset. We went through all the routine, didn't work. And it was about a three-hour process between the time we talked to them, got off the phone, tried this, got back on the phone, tried that, did this, and in the end, we spoke to a woman by the name of Christine in Wilmington, North Carolina, just a little bit ago, about a half hour, an hour or so before air today, and she made arrangements for a replacement phone to come out, and we swapped the phone number of that phone to, a, to an older family phone that we have around the house and made it work in that she now has a cell phone so she can travel and and be safe. Because isn't it funny that as technology brings us forward with cell phones, there's no pay phones around anymore. So you can't just say, well, I don't need my cell phone. You know what? I'll just use a pay phone. I haven't seen a cell phone in so long. I couldn't tell you where where they are. And it, it becomes an issue. So technology, you've got to embrace it. You've got to be ready for it. You've got to expect it. You've got to be like Denso. Denso expects that as technology changes, they kind of keep things the same, right? You know, they they make parts available for older vehicles. They make parts available for newer vehicles. Verizon, they've got a plan built into the phone so that when the phone goes bad, they talk to the manufacturer, you know, LG in this case. LG's got a plan so that they can do a, a factory data reset to help restore the phone back to functionality or as best as it can, barring a hardware failure, which is, I think, what this phone suffered. You, the consumer, you've got to embrace technology because you've got to make sure you find a mechanic that understands, first of all, how to spell it, and second of all, how to understand it and and, and work with it. Someone once said to me the other day, they were watching me work. She had stopped by the shop, and Jackie said to me, she said, How come you work and you stay so calm? And I said, well, not all the time. I said, but most of the time. She goes, yeah. She goes, you don't really get upset that much. And I said, you know why, Jack? Because at the end of the day, I know I'm still going to have that broken car in front of me. And I've got to fix it. And that's part of what dealing with technology is all about. And that's really what Verizon did today. They just kind of helped us work our way through it. And that's what Denso did last week. They just kind of helped us work our way through it. And that's what you need to do, as frustrating as it is. Technology is here to stay and only get bigger in time. Hello and welcome. Ron and Amy and the Car Doctor at your service at 855 560 9900. If you've got an automotive technology question or anything else, I'll return right after this to open the garage doors and talk to you about it. Give us a call. Don't go away. <laughs> back. Ron Anini and in the Car Doctor as we roll along this hour. Let's kick open the garage doors. Harry. Whom, yeah, Ron. Whom do you have for me as we open the garage doors this hour? Uh, we have Steve in uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. He's got a Jeep Wrangler with 106,000 miles, and just, he's having starting issues. Just broken in. Steve, welcome to the Car Doctor. Thanks, Harry. Steve, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help?
1: Hey, Ron. Thanks for taking the call.
0: You're welcome. What's going on? So sorry, I got this
1: uh, Jeep Runs really good, and um, I'm just having some problems when I. Uh, hang on a second.
0: Steve, is this is this a four liter? By the way, which engine is in this Jeep? Steve. Uh oh. Steve, what happened to Steve? Ron, he said, Hold there. Oh, oh yeah, there you go, Steve. Yeah, you're all right. Okay you're right yeah it? yeah okay. yeah i'm just getting a little bit of static
1: and I, I thought i might have lost the call yeah um
0: what what so, is it, what engines in this uh jeep steve
1: it's got that four liter straight six
0: all right so
1: you know when i uh you know i don't drive it every day when it sits so after i've driven it for an hour or two or whether it sits for a week has a hard time catching to get started um you know I got to sit there and pump the gas pedal. It's like the engine's not getting any uh any gas.
0: Okay. So, it would be it would be extended crank time. Yes. Long crank time. Now, right. this is a throttle body port fuel injected car, right? This this has a singular throttle body for air opening and it has uh I'm trying to remember the configuration six injectors, one per cylinder.
1: I believe so, but I I right. can't attest to that. Right. I
0: believe that's what this is back in 91. So, you know, flopping the throttle plate really shouldn't do anything. has no bearing on it whatsoever. So now we've got to work. Does that really help, or is that just your imagination and all you're doing is just cranking it long enough that it finally catches for some other reason?
1: Uh, I don't know that I know the answer to that. I'll have to give it
0: a try. Right. You've got to, you know, because it's, it's basically, that's just a mechanical flap, the throttle plate, and all that's doing is just as you open up the throttle plate, a sensor reports throttle angle. The computer takes that into as far as for calculation. This is a map sensor vehicle. There's no mass airflow sensor here. Uh, it's looking at manifold vacuum to help calculate as part of the calculation for fuel delivery. And it really has no bearing so pumping the pedal per se you know and that's what we were taught Uh, you know you can sort of you know see the age of the person driving the car and i'm right there with you um (laughs) you know us us older guys yeah that was the first instinct it's a carburetor hit the pedal man but it's it's not it let's look at and talk about do you have the ability to just take a fuel pressure check uh i do not okay um spend a couple of bucks you like tinkering with the car steve a little bit. Yeah, you know what? Buy a fuel pressure gauge set. They're under 100 bucks. You know, you'll you they make some uh they make some different ends and different adapters. You know, if uh if you've got do you have an O'Reilly Auto Parts around you somewhere? Uh, yes, there's
1: one in town.
0: Yeah, get over to an O'Reilly Auto Parts. They've got a good selection of tools. You can find what you need there. You can also talk to the guys and say, "Hey, what works?" Tell them you're looking for a fuel pressure gauge because the first thing I'm going to tell you is that it's an easy enough thing to do the Schrader port is right up on the front of the rail you'll see a screw-on cap looks like an AC service cap but it's attached to the fuel rail with the engine off unscrew that you'll see a Schrader valve there you can just hook the fuel pressure gauge to it turn the key to the on position where's fuel pressure and then once okay. you get the once once you get the car running Then it's real easy to do a fuel sample and volume test if you – and the joke around here has been for the longest time is, you know, Ron likes Snapple. Actually, I never drink it because I'm just not a Snapple guy, but I love the Snapple bottles. They're clear. They're the right size. If you take an empty Snapple bottle and put the pressure relief line from the pressure gauge into the bottle, on an older car like that, the fuel volume – it should actually, if you hold down the return with the engine running, fuel pressure should fill that Snapple bottle in just under 25 seconds. That's okay. a, it's, 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 it's around a pint. And it's just about right. So right. If, 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 if it does that, volume is good. If pressure is good, pressure is good. You can also take a fuel sample, see what cleanliness is, and we're good. We know fuel is out of the picture. And so
1: what should, the pressure, what should the fuel pressure be?
0: If memory serves me correct, and if you email me, I'll give you an exact number. I believe you're going to see 35 to 42 pounds engine running. And if you pull the regulator off, it'll go up about 5, 6 pounds. But if you send me an email, ron at cardoctorshow.com, I'll make sure I get you the exact spec. Somewhere around 88 through 92, I saw some different numbers that worked. But my point is sometimes testing something as simple as fuel pressure Even though, and people will say to me, yeah, but I don't see how it could be fuel pressure. Let's eliminate it. What I just described to you is at best a seven-minute test. Start it up, hook it up, read the gauge, dump the fuel, read the bottle, you're done. And then you can kind of cross it off your list. All right? So on the assumption that fuel pressure is good, Stevie, the next thing I'm going to tell you is this car should have a distributor, correct? Spark plug wires and old school stuff. Steve? Uh-oh. We lost Steve. Let me answer the question the way I would have. This should have a distributor, Steve. All right, on the chance that you're still there and your phone died. I know you're having phone problems. So my next question is bring the crank, bring the engine around to top dead center and, make sure on uh, number one, make sure you're on the compression stroke and pull the distributor cap off. Does the rotor line up with the contact? For number one spark plug wire, it should be, it should be that the rotor is just leaving the number one tower of the distributor cap. And and sometimes you know what you're driving an older vehicle like this. They're cheap enough. Go buy a and, and here's one good thing to do with Chinese parts, all right? Cheaper parts is cut up, cut get an old distributor cap and cut it up, cut it up so you have a window. So as you bring that rotor around, you'll see what position it has right under that contact is it lined up the trailing edge of that distributor of that rotor should be lined up just leaving number one tower if it's lined up correctly if it's not this is a pinned distributor and you're going to have to modify the base in order to uh, move it a little bit and that may help your starting problem as well uh, because things change, timing change, stretch, and other issues. So, do those two things the fuel and the ignition, and we'll go from there. I'm Ronanini and the Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this.
2: On. On as as
0: hey, welcome back. Ronanini and the Car Doctor. Interesting article. In uh, in a recent magazine, AAA was putting out. They were talking about motor oil myths and um, things that were going on as uh, as far as what the myths are. And one of the things is, wait a minute, uh, hang on a minute, folks. I'm sorry,
3: Tom. What's yeah? that? What's that noise? Is there a truck backing up to the studio? Yes, there's a truck backing up to the studio. You know, when you ordered T-shirts a couple of weeks ago, did you order? How many did you order? Well, I, I ordered a hundred. I I think the zero key on your keyboard stuck because the guy said he has ten thousand in the truck. Ten thousand T-shirts. We ordered ten thousand. We stuff. Oh, well, you ordered well, <laughs> ten thousand. <000. laughs>
0: Where's Harry? Did Harry leave the room? Can I blame him? Come on, I'm in the middle of a show here. I, what's?
3: I don't think. I don't think you can blame Harry. Uh, Harry uh, says he had nothing to do with
0: this. Uh, uh-huh. So, so, what's the deal now? We've got ten thousand T-shirts in a truck outside. Yeah, yeah, it was out garage sales. Oh well, thanks,
3: Harry. You really <laughs> you know me
0: and garage sales. Yeah,
3: you yeah. know. Unfortunately,
0: yes. So <laughs> listen, what are we gonna do? You know what? What do you want to do to get rid of them? That's the bigger
3: problem. You know, I, I have this idea for Uh-oh. a contest. Yeah. The last time you had an idea, I was doing a nationally syndicated radio show. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no, no. no. This is a great idea. We right. have our Facebook page. Okay. How about if somebody submits, goes to our Facebook page, Ron and Amy and the Car Doctor, and they submit a question, and you use it on the air, they'll automatically get a, a T-shirt in addition to the getting their question answered.
0: I'll tell you what. I'll do that, and how about we start it next weekend. Okay. And is there a way, as long as we're talking about technology, can we take that call and post it to the Facebook page? We should be able to. So the listeners can hear the question, the answer, and the response? Yeah, we'll, f- we'll find a way to do that. So see, we find a way to do that. But if yeah. not, we answer it on air. We'll send that person that submits the question. So there's the deal, okay? There's the rules. If you submit a question to us on our Facebook page, Okay, on the Facebook page, not on air, not any other way. It's got to be on the Facebook page. Yeah, Harry, you had a question? And like the page. And like the page. Right, that's it. We want a like and we want a question. We want something for our Mm T-shirt, all right? And we use that question after you like it, we'll send you out a car doctor T-shirt. We'll we'll, we'll contact you, make sure you include Now, How are they going to get a hold of us? How are we going to get a hold of them? We need to get their address, right? Yeah, well, what they can do is uh, after... I'm just thinking this through. You guys brought this up. Well, no, after we get them on the air, I'll take their address and we'll ship them out a shirt.
3: Well, even if they're not on the air, we can click on their name on Facebook and we can message them and ask them for their information. Can we we do that? Let them know they're a winner. Okay, let them
0: know they're a winner that That's way. That's right. So you know what? I'm going to create the Facebook social media department. Harry, you and Tom are in charge of that. I'm, I'm just going to answer questions. Now we're in trouble. All right. oh, Since I, may have or- I may have ordered the shirts wrong, but you guys are now uh, going to go to work. So well, I think get- maybe we'll change the rules. I think I'll just put them all on eBay. So yeah. <laughs> T- 10,000 Car Doctor t-shirts on eBay? I don't think so. So we're going to give away one per hour every week
3: for the rest of the year. That works for works for me. It's it work for you Tony? All right. For the works rest of, Tony, of the year. Too.
0: Of course that's more than 10. That's not quite 10,000, but we'll be doing some remotes coming up. We'll find oh, other we'll ways we'll to give more. we'll
3: be doing that and, you know, yeah. quite frankly, I've got furniture to polish, so hey. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, can I get back to questions now? Why? I mean, yes. Yes, okay. <laughs> we'll we'll post some official
0: information out on the Car Doctor Facebook page, but uh, get out there like us, leave us a question. And if we pick your question, we will be using that on air, answering it, or talking to you directly. And sometimes I may have to talk to you directly, depending upon the question, and um, we'll send you out a Car Doctor t-shirt. Let's get over and back to the phones. Let's go over to Chuck in Texas, 04 Jeep Grand Cherokee. Charles, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help?
2: Thank you, Ron. Thanks for taking my call.
0: See, I bet you wish you had submitted this on Facebook. Now you'd have a shot at a t-shirt, and I'm sorry. But, That's um, okay.
2: Never late, never dollar short. I you know, know that.
0: But you get out to Facebook, like us, and uh, submit a question. You're in the game. So, what's All right, brother.
2: What, what, here's my situation. Go ahead. I inherited a old Ford Jeep Grand Cherokee from a sister, and it hasn't been driven in over a year. The history shows that when the car was on the road, it did have a check engine light. Okay. Now that it is in my possession, I did get my nose into it, and I came up as I scanned it with four codes. Okay. Three of them are related to each other, and one is not. All right. The three, the three that are related to each other, all have to do with O2 sensors. It's an O031, an 51 and a 136. All right. That states to me that it's a shorter condition in the element control wire.
0: Yeah, but let me I, let me ask you this, Chuck are you Are you looking at was the battery dead? I don't understand. How was it? Was this, are these codes that just appeared recently after you brought it back to life or you're going off of old history from a year ago?
2: No, I'm going off of something that appeared after a change of a battery.
0: Okay. Gotcha. All uh, right.
2: They're honestly the hard faults. I right. would say. Well, what, I what, research, what engine I is this, the,
0: Chuck? Is this the four O or the V8? It's the four O. All right.
2: So my history tells me, that um, this is a common problem with this year make model, with this sensor wire being shorted.
0: Right, and the codes were what okay. again? I'm sorry, P0.
2: Okay, they are P0031, P0051, P0136. Okay. And I, I think they're all in common because they all show, as it explains, shorter conditions detected in the heater element wiring. Okay, so I understand talking to my boys at O'Reillys that this particular vehicle, this era, has a condition where the undercarriage wiring does create a short because they're strapped tighter than Dick's headband. Right. So um, I guess my question to you is, and I'll get to the other oh, the other um, computer error is, I, I replaced all three of these O2 sensors when I saw the faults. I drove for 150 miles and noticed no check engine light coming back on. Okay. I rescanned the computer again after that, and the arrow codes returned. However, with no chickens and light this time. So my guess is, one, I need to know what circuit this is on, and am my best to intake the fuse out and put, like, an 1157 bulb in its place, and when the bulb goes out, I know I found the short.
0: Let's back up a second. Sure. All right. You've got three codes impending they haven't set hard yet. Right, that's okay. what we just said. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, if you take fuse is if you look at fuse 16 in the power distribution center, is and it And
2: it tells me that's my right headlight.
0: Well, fuse 16 should be power for the O2s
2: as well as the right headlight.
0: What's telling is that correct? What's telling you that? No. What's telling you that?
2: The fuse panel and the ledger on the cover of the fuse box in under the driver's side dashboard that's what it said
0: no i believe the power distribution i believe that fuse is out under the hood
2: no it's under the hood
0: i believe so okay be, be i would sh- think so because be sure- the
2: one under the dash says headlight
0: right so be sure you're in the right box yes sir but i would be looking i would first thing i would do is do you have a wiring diagram for this circuit chuck
2: no i can download one though. okay
0: download a circuit and let's uh-huh. start making sure of where we're testing and what we're testing but right. fuse 16 in the in the PDC, which I, is under the hood on that vehicle, is what's yeah. going to control this, all right? Okay. Um, I'd be curious. I don't think the fuse is blown. Well, then again, maybe the fuse is blown because you've been looking at the wrong fuse. If fuse 16 is under the hood like I believe it is and the fuse is blown, then I would tell you put a new fuse in, unplug all the O2s, and plug them in one at a time, see which one blows the fuse. Okay. Or if you want to get fancy and use a resettable circuit breaker, whatever your heart desires, at least then you know which circuit is causing the short or which sensor is causing the short. Even though they're new, new doesn't mean good, yada, yada, yada. All right?
2: Well, Yeah, I do. But like I'm saying is as as an electrician by trade, I know that in place of a fuse, you can put a filament such as a light bulb, and when the light bulb goes out, you know you've cleared your short.
0: Yeah, and you can do that too. Um, you can do that too. Like I said, however, you want to know when the circuit status has changed—that's fine.
2: Now, my, I guess my final answer on this issue is: Do you know of such a history with this particular vehicle and era having such a problem?
0: Yeah, they do have—they do have wiring harness issues. Um, usually, usually it's well—it depends. I've seen it. I've seen it in all of them. That's why I say you have to go through all three or four sensors, depending upon what it has. Um, usually it's the rear o two, either melted on the exhaust pipe or the rubs. One of them rubs the wire on the cylinder head in the left rear corner. Okay. All right. So take a look at those because of the way the okay. harnesses are, are brought up and around.
2: Okay. Awesome. I can do that. So my last issue with the air codes is a seventeen fifty six, which tells me the governor pressure is not at fifteen to twenty pounds.
0: Right. That's inside. Now, that's this is a trans fault now.
2: Yes, sir. So what I see in the issue, it drives fine. It seems to shift fine. It's that when I come now to a traffic light and sit, the it'll finally sunk into first gear. Sunk is that a word? But anyway, it'll finally sunk back down into first gear. Maybe after about ten seconds of sitting.
0: All right. I'll tell you what, Chuck. Sit tight. We ran a little long. Let me pull over, take a pause. We'll come back to you right after this. I'm running in the car, doctor. Don't go away. They need the car doctor, 855 560 number. Give us a call. Leave a message if we're not on the air and fast Harry. We'll call you back. We're on the line with Chuck and Katie, Texas. Chuck, you're still there. Yes, sir. Dealing with the 1756, which is governor pressure control issues on this 04 Jeep Grand Cherokee. So you've done what to diagnose it now?
2: Actually, um, I, I I I believe you like I do religion, but I, I I've learned a lot through YouTube. And I actually see this guy do it. And to me, it looks like it's a piece of cake. It's just a solenoid mounted on a plate at the bottom of the transmission behind the filter. And it's yep. a sending in a solenoid swap
0: out. Right. Yep. If you can drop a trans pan and remove a filter, uh, you should be coordinated enough to change a solenoid. Just just keep in mind that it's not an uncommon practice to change both the solenoid and the pressure sensor at the same time. Correct. It's, I it's, will do so. Yeah. But
2: I guess... My last question, Ron, and I'll let you go, and you've been great for taking my call, is with this issue with the O2 sensors, is this something that can cause poor fuel economy?
0: Oh, absolutely.
2: Okay, because I noticed this thing kind of sucks like milkshakes, and I think it's only getting about 15 miles of the gallon.
0: Well, I don't know that it's going to get a whole lot better than that, Chuck, but you've got enough drivability stuff going on here that until you get it resolved, until all the monitors have run, until, you know, no more fault codes, until the trans is operating properly. I wouldn't even, right. be, I wouldn't even be thinking about, uh, you know, fuel economy. For that matter, I really wouldn't be driving it that much until it was all resolved because you could be hurting something long term. Right. So I would say, you know, let's take it one step at a time. And then just as a follow-up, I haven't had the experience directly, but it's been a while since I've looked at a wiring diagram for this particular problem. I don't think there is, but I wonder if there's a connection between the O2s and the, and the governor control. You know, uh, Chrysler runs a lot of um, redundant 5-volt grounds, I'm sorry, 5-volt feeds power. So, right. uh, you know, is, is there anything that's powering up any of the O2s involved in governor pressure control? Probably not, but just to be safe, I would look at a wiring diagram and, and, and just, you know, see where I'm going. Today, to t- today more than ever, is... go ahead, Yeah. go ahead, you start. So I think
2: what you're saying, I understand, is that like it's causing it to start voltage for the governor pressure.
0: Well, it could be doing that. It could be doing a lot of things. For for the way this is reacting, you know, you've got to fix fix what's broken, go on to the next thing, I guess is my right. point. And, right. you know, one of the things I've seen over the years, I've seen Chrysler do some very strange things with regards to wiring. And, and Chrysler, like all manufacturers today... You know what? I've got a wiring problem. If if you were to stop by the shop, you'll see on my workbench, you know, there's an open spot. I sit down or I'll stand. I I print out all the wiring diagrams. I've got colored markers. I start this circuit, this circuit, this circuit. I'll X out the ones I don't care about, but it, you know, tries to narrow it down into the portion of the car I'm working on, and it helps me eliminate. And a lot of times i found, you know, two dissimilar codes that were dissimilar all of a sudden – they kind of make sense on the wiring diagram. Wiring diagrams right. are the roadmap of what's going on with that vehicle and the way to the future. All right, I got it. So that's the story, Chuck. It was good talking to you. And uh, if you have any other questions, you know where to find me, Ron, at cardoctorshow dot Get out to Facebook, ask a question, like the page, win a t shirt from the Car Doctor if we answer your question. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. We're back right after this. Welcome back. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor kind of winding things down this hour. Remember, if you have a question for us, get out to Facebook. Like the Car Doctor Facebook page, Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor. Leave a question. You can either do it as a uh, post under one of ours, or you can do it to the left side of the page where they allow you to interact. But the key is like the page, leave a question. If we use your question up here on air and answer it, we will contact you and send you out a Car Doctor T-shirt. And we're going to do that right through the end of this year. So we're just trying to make it easy for you. We uh, sort of over-ordered T-shirts, Tom tells me. I'm not sure who made that mistake. But um, anyway, uh, win a T-shirt, ask a question, learn something about your car. What's better than that? Speaking of better than that, real quick comment. Um, recent article talking about synthetic motor oil and better than conventional and uh, some controversy over it. And, you know, whenever I get into a controversy dealing with a car in terms of what's the right answer, what's the wrong answer, I always come back to square one, base one, and look at the facts. And I, I think probably one of the best places to find information about synthetic motor oil is none other than the Pennzoil site. Get out to penzoil.com, scroll down the bottom of the page, and you'll see a conversation there about synthetic oil myths and facts and there's an article titled about trading up to synthetic. Read that, especially the part about why it is important to use a synthetic oil that cleans because they really put it into a context that you can understand and relate to at a very simple level. And keep in mind that synthetic motor oil is clearly the way of the future as we put more and more demands on cars today. You know, motor oil used to just clean and lubricate. Now it controls actuators, it, it protects engines over such a varying degree of temperature and operating conditions that I often cringe when I think about not using synthetics. But you can find that and all the more information you want about synthetic motor oil, Penzoil.com. Hey, till the next time, I'm Ron in the car doctor, reminding you, the mechanics aren't expensive, they're priceless. See ya.